Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. Welcome to Stay Out of My Creeps. This is Season 4, Episode 2. And guess what? You get Rob and I together for the first time since right before Christmas. <laughs> Hi, Rob. How are you? Good, Jim. How are you? I'm good. It's great to have you back on the show here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a long hiatus. Yeah, it has been. I had to deal with Pete. I mean, I'm, I mean, Pete stepped in for you. <laughs> Oh, poor you. <laughs> no, it was great. We had um we were starting to do bi weekly shows is the way that it's kinda of turning out to be, which is fine because I mean sometimes there's not a lot to talk about hockey wise, but right now it's getting pretty hot topic in hockey. Um oh, I we have a lot are... to talk about. Yeah. And I was gonna say we're gonna jump right in here. Um, I know we have a caller on the line. We'll get to you here shortly. But I know Rob wanted to kind of open the show with the um, surprising steal that the Leafs managed to pull off last night. Yes, Jake Muzzin is a Toronto Maple Leaf, which is basically filling the Leafs' biggest need. And the fact that they got pretty well what they needed without giving up Janssen or Kapanen is amazing. I saw a lot of uh, posts saying, oh, the Leafs gave up a lot. I disagree because Carl Grundstrom, yeah, he's playing well in the AHL, but there's no guarantee that that's going to transfer over into the NHL. And they gave up the right. We see that on your club already with Sparks. Sparks killed it in the AHL. Not so much in the NHL right now. Right, he was the goalie of the year in the AHL last year, and on the Leafs this year, yeah, he's won a lot, but it's taken a lot of offense from the Leafs to get him those wins. Yep. The underlying numbers for him are not good. They aren't. And his, like, I've watched games with Sparks and his positioning, it really, he needs a little bit more seasoned time, I think. And it really didn't help when Anderson went down with his injury and uh, you guys had to rely on Hutchinson and Sparks. Hutch, I think, did a fine job in uh, replacing Anderson. He wasn't spectacular by any means, but he kept the Leafs in the games that he did start which is all you can ask him to do, especially coming over from a new team, from a different team, not knowing anybody on the team. Heck, his first start as a Leaf, he hadn't even met Babcock until 10 minutes before he hit the ice. That's crazy. 
And uh, the other guy that they gave up, uh, Sean Dersey, he's not even signed. The Leafs didn't even sign him to an ELC yet. So they only traded the rights to him. He's wow. having a fine He's having a fine season over in uh, the Ontario Hockey League. He started out the year with the Owen Sound attack and midway through the year got traded to the Guelph Storm. And he had something like seven goals, 11 assists in 20 games for Owen Sound. And then he, in 11 games with Guelph, he's got six goals and six assists or something. Which isn't bad for a young defenseman. No, it isn't. But, again, these are mostly AHL players, so we don't know how well they're going to translate over into the NHL. And I know a lot of the question marks were, well, why did L.A. let Muzzin go for so cheap? Well, kind of brings us into a listener question that we got. It's the same question but they're asking about two different teams. It's basically the same question. And they want to know what is going on with the downslide, the seven-game winless streak that the Caps are on. Berg had a seven-game win streak and then decided that they didn't remember how to play hockey anymore and uh, have dropped the last three, I believe. And um, they want to know what's wrong. Well, it's kind of the same point that's going on in L.A., going on in Chicago. It's going into Detroit. When you're good for so long, you get really crappy draft picks because you can't rebuild your team, especially when you have core players like Hayes and Kane in Chicago. Um, you have Carter and um, Dowdy and um, what's the other guy's name? I can't think of his name. Uh, Kopitar. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> I was like, "What's their captain's name?" <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and then you have Crosby and Malkin in Pittsburgh. And when you have a quote-unquote window in hockey, you basically have to sell off your prospects in order to get talent for the now. And then you run into this problem that you're starting to see in Chicago. You see it in L.A. You see it in Pittsburgh, where just because you as fans know their name doesn't make them good players. The talent is starting to be average because the higher the draft pick, the more of a crapshoot it is to get a good player. So, therefore, um, that's easily explained in Pittsburgh. It's just the cycle of hockey. As for the Capitals, Rob and I kind of have differing opinions on this, I think. But I am talking the Caps seven-game winless streak, too. They're starting to feel the uh, cup hangover. When you've played that many games, you've partied all offseason, and they partied, and they had fun, and they earned every bit of it. Sometimes it just catches up with you. But, Rob, you have a totally different take on the Caps, I know. And you may have a different take on the others, too. No, I agree with you on the Pens. But as for Washington, I think their problems right now are just li- are just lying with unreliable goaltending. 
I don't find there's too much wrong in the offensive part. Defense, for the most part, has been solid. It's been between the pipes that has really let them down lately. Holpe's allowed six or more in... Sorry, Washington as a whole has allowed six goals or more in, I think, five of their last six games. Right. And that's just unacceptable. Like, you can yeah. as many goals as you want, but if you're giving up six goals a night, you're not winning a lot of games. Right. You're definitely not. And the interesting thing is, is that I don't know how many of our listeners actually watch the All-Star game, but even though the Metro did win, um, Henrik Lundqvist was a huge reason why the Metro won. Lundqvist was just doing a fabulous job. Hope he did his part, too. I'm not going to say he didn't. But at the same point, you know, Hope he played the back end. And um, the uh, Hope he uh, struggled at times. But at the, in the end, the Metro ended up winning. And it was fun to watch. I love three-on-three hockey when it comes to the All-Star game. I like the format. And um, I really enjoyed the skills challenge. So yeah, the skills competition is always great. Yeah, it is. And watching the girls compete, the uh, fast from uh, the Canadian women's hockey team and uh, Coyle or Kendall Coyne from uh, the USA hockey team, women's hockey team, doing the skills challenge, that to me was just awesome. I loved seeing that. I loved seeing the girls compete with the guys. Um, I do have one gripe about the uh, skills competition, though. One thing I noticed, I don't know if it was the same on the U.S. feed as it was on the Canadian feed, but they interviewed and cut to the players so much, you didn't get to see some of the uh, players go mm. because they were just focused on the player that they were interviewing. And now, it's see, like, I'm not here to watch. The, I'm not here to watch them interview the players. I'm here to watch the skills competition. Right. Now, interesting, because on the feed that we had here in the state, I got to see all the skills challenge. They interviewed between setting up obstacles and um, during the games intermission. And uh, it, it was really kind of cool because we actually got to see a lot of the skills competition, which was nice. But um, to bring this all full circle, the reason why L.A. let Muzzin go to the lease for what people consider was really cheap is because L.A. is going to get ready to rebuild. They are almost at the end of their window. Their goaltender, um, Jonathan Click, he's good, he's great, but he's injury prone. And he's not going – with the injuries that Click has sustained, his career could very well be shortened. I'm not saying it's going to be. But there's a good possibility that it may be. So now L.A. has to look at getting younger and faster because they are older and compared to other teams in the NHL, they're slow. So I, I think it was a good trade for both of them. I think L.A. got what they wanted and needed. And the Leafs definitely filled a big hole in their defense so that they can give Uncle Ron back to my team. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. But let's Why go ahead and take. Wa- <laughs> uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kim. No, I was going to say, what were you going to say? 
That's fine. What were you going to say there first? I was just going to say, you're already complaining about bad defense. Why do you want a 40-year-old who can barely skate anymore? We have one like, of those. He's no, not I'm kidding. He's, he's wrong. <laughs> See, there's, there's, there's Patrick Marlowe old, which is completely different from Ron Hainsey old. Right. It's kind like, of like there's Matt old, and there's Ron Hainsey old. Um. I get it. You know, I, yeah, I do complain a lot about bad defense. Um, and the fact that I have really realized that the Pens do not have a number one goaltender. So that's a conversation. Now, don't, for get a different me, night, so. don't get me wrong. I love Ron Hainsey, but I know you I'm do. glad that he's, I'm glad he's going to be playing less minutes. It'll be nice. I know you'll see a big difference in your goaltending because of how well the defense should gel around Muzzin, and um, you'll see more confident goaltending, and you'll definitely see more defense from the Leafs, which everybody made fun of the Leafs for in the offseason. When they picked up Tavares, they were like, great, now they have all offense, but no defense, and now guess what? Now Now it's balanced. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, there's offense, defense, and goaltending now. Yep. Kind of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and take our caller. Okay. Hi, you're on the air with Kim and Rob. Who's this? Hey, Kim and Rob, it's uh, Lou. Hey, Lou, how are hey, you? Lou. All right. I did see some of the All-Star game. I heard about the uh, All-Star skills competition, and that woman was brought in to replace uh, a player, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Correct. Um, yes, uh, Bri- Brianna Decker was brought in to Brianna replace Decker. Nathan McKinnon. Right. Yep. Who was yeah, injured? I heard she did pretty good. She finished third in the fastest uh, skating uh, competition. Yes, no, she that did. Was, uh, that was that Kendall, was Kendall Coin. Coin. Oh, that's right. Ken- no, but still pretty good. I mean, of yeah, course she, she didn't did win, but. Didn't win, but still gave it a very good effort. She definitely did. Yeah. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I did see a little of the All Star game here and there. Um, you know, and, and uh, didn't look. It didn't look to be, um, you know, too close and whatnot. You know, one team just dominating uh, uh, the game. I mean, the final game that is just seemed to be uh, too dominating the Metro over the Central. Yeah, and, you know, that to me was the biggest surprise. I didn't um, yeah. I didn't foresee the Central with the talent that the Central has getting right. smoked like that. Yeah, getting smoked. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right, so what do, you, what do we see now uh, looking for the second half of the season for some of our teams, you know, like, uh, yours and mine with the Rangers. Uh, the loser right now of the Philadelphia uh, Liars, the Flyers. So, um, but uh, it's still it's still close enough. Uh, what do you see with uh, your teams happening in the second half of the season? <laughs> My honest opinion: the Pens scare me because I'm not sure which Pens team's going to show up every night. Right. Secondly, they are very very close to falling out of a playoff spot. Um, this game tonight is actually kind of important because 
Columbus is one point ahead of the Penguins in the Metro. But mm-hmm. Buffalo is four points away from the Penguins for the last wild card spot. So it's kind of a catch-22 because you don't want Columbus to win because they're a uh, Metro division rival and a very right. big one at that. But it's the same point. You don't want Buffalo to be two points behind you when you can't win games. <laughs> you would have And your schedule coming up. Six weeks ago was a different story. The Sabres were riding high. They were first in the conference, and now they are just falling off, uh, falling off uh, rather quickly. It happens. I mean, you. How many times have we seen? Like, let's use for example, what was it two years ago? Remember, Philadelphia went on this tear and had the ten-game win streak. I know. And then ended up missing the playoffs altogether. I was a happy camper. I wasn't complaining. <laughs> That's the metro. You know how we know. feel about the Flyers over here. Exactly. And you know how the Pens feel about the Flyers. <laughs> we just don't like them. <laughs> the interstate rivalry, of course. Naturally. And uh, speaking of which, did you see the uh, Stadium Series jerseys for uh, the Pens and the Flyers? Hideous looking. Yeah, they look like they belong on, like, um, I don't know, Big Lot discount rack because they look like they were just an afterthought. <laughs> and Those the afterthought was? atrocious. Yes. Ugh. My philosophy is that Gritty designed them. I see. Yeah, they were, they were like, <laughs> oh my god, what the? Look what the cat dragged down this one. And that's why I said Gritty did it. It's Gritty's fault. <laughs> and Gritty is the mascot for the Philadelphia Flyers that they were Oh yeah, that season. oh yeah, that ugly looking thing. Which reminds me, during the All Star game on the red carpet, one of my favorite players was Marc Andre Fleury. And um yes. he was signing autographs and these kids got really excited and he looks over right next to him and it's gritty. And without even thinking, Fleury goes, Oh God and I responded underneath the video on NHL in the NHL's page, I said, Flurry said what all of us said when Gritty was revealed. Oh, God. What is that? <laughs> <sighs> well, it could be worse. It could be the silly fanatic. <laughs> well, yeah, because we don't know what that thing is either. So, I never knew what that thing was. You or like? if you want to go the Emmy route, how about the uh, Capital City Goofball? <laughs> true. Which does resemble the Philly Fanatic. Yeah, it's true. It does. I think it's a cousin. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to answer to answer your question, I don't know. The Rangers are they're kind of in a rebuild mode right now. Well, oh, I don't want to say rebuild. Oh. I want to say because. I want to say more of a retool because um, Mm. when you rebuild, you're not competitive. And the Rangers kind of been competitive this year to a point. They won more games than we thought. But I still don't see the Rangers making the playoffs this year. Um, Lundqvist is still one of my favorite goalies. And um, he – not for nothing, he had a decent game, though, at the Ulster game, because he did make 12 saves. In a row. Yes. 
which is more but, than um, a lot of the goalies could say, like Pecorine. I think he made two in a row. Pecorine. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Italian, too. Like. But, yeah, the you know, I'm going to... Go ahead, Rob. The Rangers are kind of in that gray zone where I don't know if they're 100% sure whether they should try and retool it, tear it down, and completely rebuild because they're not having a terrible season. No, but to be better. Yeah, I'm just thinking because uh, Lundqvist is getting up there in age. So and am I. You don't have much in the uh, way of goalie prospects. No. So that might be something that they have to look at, maybe trying to trade Lungfist at some point for a younger mm. goaltender. Yeah, you know, I have a two-time Stanley Cup champion goaltender that I'm willing to offload for Lundqvist. Kim, nobody wants your garbage. You mean you don't think you want Mark Andre Fleury? <laughs> no, I'm talking about Murray. If I said, if I would have met Flurry, I would have said three times Stanley Cup champion goalie. <laughs> Sorry, I try. Ugh. Every day I try. Me and my it big mouth. <laughs> my fault, guys. My fault. It's all right. Everybody's yeah. used to Kim. And you know, I I have look, and Rob can be my witness here. I have actually said nice things about Murray this year. Yes. Eh, yes and no. Would you care to share with the rest of us? <laughs> now, when the team was winning, I did say that Murray was playing as well as the rest of the team. And for oh, Murray, me, that's an improvement. Murray. Yeah. Right. But, you know, and then as the team decides not to play, as does everybody else, you know, so mm-hmm. it's just, <laughs> but I have said nice things. Yes. So. Well, let's just but, take a look know, at the standings here so um, so we can, um, you know, think this, uh, think this over here. And, all right. Oh, here we go. Stands have to go to the right, to the right page. There we go. And right now, the Lang Division, oh boy, this is ugly. In the Metro Division, oh boy, the one team I hate more than anything else is still in first place. Yeah. The Islanders are doing fantastic. That's the one. Here. And That's you know what? One, I, I totally attribute the Islanders' success to Barry Trotz being their coach. Uh, of course. Bolting for bolting from Washington just to go somewhere else. Right. Sorry, what was that? Give him a raw deal. Who Barry Trotz? I think he's better off where he is, honestly. No, I think I, I think Washington might might have screwed him. It was oh, in yeah, his contract. 100%. You know, I get it, but at the same point. I think Trust is better off where he is now. It seems like he's a little bit more relaxed behind the bench. He's got some great young talent on that team, and he knows how to get the best out of those young talents. Yeah. The same thing what Mike Keenan did to us 25 years ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's see here. The Islanders are in first place. Yuck. The uh, – 
Capitals, I mean, Capitals, not that far behind. Rangers are kind of like on the border. They have 49 points. Um, but they could they could maybe sneak up the Carolina and maybe, um, I don't know if they'll get past Pittsburgh, but mm, they can try to make a run if they get there, if they get their act together. They have won three of the last four games. So, you know, they're not doing, they're not doing terrible. Can right. I just point something yeah, out? The Devils are just really quick. The Capitals what did you say, Rob? I want to point something out really quick. The Capitals okay. have lost seven in a row, and they're Correct. still only three points back. Right. Well, they haven't lost seven in a row. They're on a seven-game winless streak. They did have ties in that seven-game winless streak. But, yeah, they're second in the Metro. The Metro is very, very weak. It's easy to lose spots, mm. and it's easy to gain spots in the Metro. Um, everything is just so close there. Yeah. That's the same. Wait a minute. Uh, ties? We don't have ties anymore. We always have ties. Oh, I get it. You're referring to shoes as ties. I get it. Yeah, no. Yes, over time. I, get, I get it. Right. Yeah, they had two in that span. So they have two points right. in their last seven games. Right, exactly. That's not very good. No. Nope. And if you look, like, even if you're looking at the standings, the big thing that I always look at until we get, like, really close to playoff time is that differential. Right now, the Islanders are a plus 25. Tampa's a freaking plus fifty nine. Those two teams aren't just winning; they're blowing people out. <laughs> you know, fifty nine. The yeah. Leafs are a, uh, plus thirty four. Yeah, Tampa has Tampa has one hundred and ninety nine goals for and one hundred and forty goals against. Yep. For a plus fifty nine goal differential. Yep. That's insane. Isn't it? The and Leafs, even the yeah. Islanders. The Leafs and the are Leafs are the same thing. Differential. Yep. Calgary is a plus forty-five. Like, yep. I never would have expected Calgary to be first in the Pacific. Well, look how many touch, like quote-unquote touchdowns Calgary has scored this year on opposing teams. So I know. these teams aren't just winning; they're blowing other teams out. It's just yeah. amazing. You know, um, but yeah, that's one of the things I always look at this time of year because of the fact that, um, to me, that's more telling of a story than just looking at the standings. Because you know, you have Montreal that's already played fifty-one games, whereas Toronto and Tampa have only played forty-nine. Um, Washington's played fifty. New York Islanders have played forty-nine. Not that's not that big of a difference, but you know yep. what I mean. Some teams have games in hand. So then you look at this point difference or the goals, the goal differential, and you look at that and you go, holy crap, Tampa's a plus 59. They're killing people. <laughs> holy crap, you know? you're right. Yeah. Well, Lou, uh, we're going to let you go because we have another caller on the line that we want to get to, and we have a lot of stuff to My get. girlfriend's on? No, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. So, but we yeah. appreciate you calling in, like always. I'm glad I found you. Yeah, you too. Like I said, we're 
we're kind of starting to do bi-weekly shows now. Um, we're getting to that point. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, if you ever get a chance, uh, call my Saturday show, uh, 68 uh, Eastern Time. It's called the Enhanced Sports Show. I'll give you the number, 712-775-7035, pin number 410173, and the pound sign after that. If you don't get the pound sign, you're not going to get through. So remember that. That's good to know. Well, thank That's you, good. Lou. Thanks, Lou. All right, Jimmy, say hello to Jimmy for me if you, if, you, if you see him or hear him. Okay, will do. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Well, that was nice of Lou to call in. Yes, it was. <laughs> But um, All yeah. Right, let's so take our other. Uh, let's take our other callers. Well, I'm gonna let that one go for a minute because I know who it is, and uh, he told me that he's calling in to just listen to the show for a little bit to bring him on whenever. So, but oh, okay. before I before I do, because I know there are a couple of things that we want to get to first, and um, I'll bring Chris on because I'm sure Chris will enjoy doing the whole um, talking because Chris actually put this idea in my head because um, Chris and I had talked about it. But later here in the show, we're going to be talking about standings and the NHL so close this year, you have more buyers than sellers coming up to the trade deadline on February 25th. So it's going to be very interesting to see the moves. But we'll talk about that in depth. One of the things that I wanted to talk about was something that kind of happened off, over the off season. And it's kind of rolled back around a little bit. And um, on our next show, we will have um, a special guest. And uh, Ralph Garcia will be joining us, and he has his own um, radio station in GSD Sports. And uh, he's going to be joining us. We're going to start cross-promoting with other podcasters and radio show hosts to you know, have them on a special guest, and then we'll go on their show and um, talk, you know, talk about things. But he's a really big Predators fan, and uh, he is uh, he's so knowledgeable when it comes to the team. And uh, But I kind of wanted to talk about what happened with the Nashville Predators today. So during the offseason, everybody knows Austin Watson was suspended for domestic violence. His suspension was reduced. And today, the National Predators let everybody know that Watson has been placed in stage two of the NHL, NHLPA, Substance Abuse and Behavioral Health Program for the purpose of treatment for alcohol abuse. He has been suspended without pay pending completion of the program. Now, first of all, I'm glad that he's going to get the help that he needs because alcohol abuse is no joke at all. Secondly, no. you know, I, I hope that he can learn and grow from this and that he does accept the help that's being given to him. But I was surprised when this broke about four hours ago. What about you, Rob? I was, too, because I thought he was doing uh, – the last update was that he was actually doing well. He completed uh, 
the first stage of it while he was uh, suspended the first time. And everything had apparently been going well. So it was kind of surprising to hear that uh, he relapsed. Right. Yeah, I mean, I thought the same thing. I thought after the summer and getting his suspension, he came back. I thought he had kept his nose clean and was doing well. And then this breaks today, and it's kind of heartbreaking. You know, I think we all have known somebody that has a substance abuse problem, some kind of addiction. And um, addiction is no joke. And so my biggest concern is I hope he gets the help that he needs. Same here. I uh, I hope he takes his time through it, gets clean, does what he needs to do, and most of all, just right. takes care of himself. Exactly. Because we all want him to have life after hockey. So that Definitely. was one of the biggest things that broke today. Um Oh, I forgot. We have been, if you guys don't follow our Facebook page, make sure you do follow our Facebook page because we do have a pen post where, with the help of Rob and Pete and myself, we are posting every trade underneath that one thread that's pinned to the top of our page. So if you ever think that you're going to miss a trade, just keep visiting our page because we do keep up on up on top of it. Um Yesterday there was the big Muzzin trade, and then apparently Pittsburgh rented Jamie Alexiak from Dallas for a year, um, or borrowed is a better word to say, because they traded Alexiak back to Dallas for the same fourth-round draft pick. That actually made me laugh very hard, because it was like Pittsburgh essentially got Jamie Alexiak for 83 regular season games, and... 20-some playoff games for free. Exactly. Like, for absolutely nothing. Dallas was just like, here, just take them. We don't want them for a year. We'll get them back. Right. Now, I don't know if you were familiar, and I actually just found this out today, but apparently the reason why he was even offered up for trade last year is because him and Hitchcock did not get along. I hadn't heard that. No. Yeah, that was apparently the uh, the big storyline coming out of Dallas um, last year. And I I didn't know that until I was talking to a Dallas fan that lives in the Dallas area, and they were telling me that. And I'm like, well, then that all makes sense why we rented him or borrowed. I'm sorry, we borrowed him because that's what it was. We got the same pick back. <laughs> so... I don't know. Um, And one of the things that, like, if you're new to our show, one of the things is is that we do not talk about rumors on our show because we don't like to be wrong. So we talk about what happens. Um, So, you know, if you want to call in and talk about rumors, we won't, like, cut you off or anything. But at the same point, we try to keep our show informative and definitely not starting, like, the trade rumor that, oh, I don't know, um, Austin Matthews is getting traded to the Arizona Coyote type deal. Yeah, because we don't want to be like, if you heard it on Kim and Rob's show, then it must be true. We don't want to be those people. 
Sorry, Rob, I just had to use that because I know Austin Matthews is from Arizona, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right, well, let's go ahead and bring Chris on. He's waited patiently enough. But before you bring Chris on, before he toots his own horn, I'm going to beat him to it. So not only did Keith step in while Rob was on hiatus and taking cruises around the Caribbean and bragging about it, um, Chris also was a big help and called in and helped co-host the show. So basically for the last three shows that we have done, we've done a really nice roundtable, which is wonderful. It was a lot of fun. Um, But we are happy to have Rob back, so I can't thank Chris enough. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Chris on. Hi, Chris. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm good. Good. How are you? Favorite Carolina Hurricanes fan. How are you, buddy? Absolutely, Rob. Good, good to see you're recovering from the heart attack Kim just tried to give you by trading away Austin Matthews. So. <laughs> oh, oh and, and 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 Rob, and Rob uh, I got I got to thank you for making uh, Henrik Lundqvist win the uh, the save the save streak. Uh, competition. Your guy, your guy Tavares was uh, was the ninth stop. So just proving, just proving, just proving that the king is still the king. And uh, and wasn't it wasn't it great to just what I mean to have a guy like Henrik Lundqvist do it because like he threw his stick up in the air after he did it, <laughs> like you know, classic Henrik Lundqvist fashion. And he had uh, the biggest smile on his face the entire time. He was legitimately having fun. My question is, why can't he do that in the regular season? Because he doesn't have the team in front of him to do it in the regular season. That's why he was smiling the whole All-Star game. game. (laughs) He did it by himself there. Why can't he do it by himself there? Because he's like, look at all these. Because in the All Star game, he's like, wow, look at it. I actually have guys who can play. And in the other, <laughs> in the regular season, he's like, look at these slobs I play with. <laughs> and so he does like stand on his head. Fan. It's like Kim. It's like Kim and I. It, Kim and I have had this discussion. It it it, it happens all the time. He, he he gets out there. He's like, look at these guys they put in front of me and. He gives up a goal because he's like, what is going on? And then he doesn't give up anything else, and they don't score for him. So at the end of the game, he's like, screw this. I'm done. I'm telling you, my trade's still on the table, Chris. (laughs) As long as you can get out of the first five minutes, you're good. (laughs) It's true. That was last year for poor Lundquist. Um, There were games that Chris and I would watch together, and we would be like, Sorry, my dog decided to bark it, whatever. Um, but anyway, so we, uh, Chris would be like, if we don't score in the first, if they don't score on us in the first 30 seconds, we may win this game. <laughs> That's what he would yes. say. <laughs> it's crazy. And then they got the ba- they got the backup goalie in today, and gee whiz, one nothing, one nothing. They're they're gonna lose this game, one nothing. To Philly. 
who's going to be on yeah. a five-game win streak. It's unbelievable. Who's also using their backup. Which is, which one of the seven? Staller. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, I'm impressed with Carter Hart. by Anthony Stallers. Mm-hmm. Blow the team yep. up. <laughs> I know. It's Rebuild. crazy. Like, <laughs> Phillies had, like, the goaltending carousel from hell this year. And <laughs> they finally settle in with Carter Hart. And then they turn around and play the Rangers with the backup goalie. <laughs> uh, it's been a weird year for hockey. Like it definitely Montreal, has. Like Montreal one point behind the Leafs. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but you would rather see Montreal at the playoffs than you would rather see Boston. Yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> But somehow end up that it'll be the Leafs of Boston in the first round. I'm 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 I won't watch the playoffs. It'll be too bad. Actually, it might be different this year. The Leafs have defense now. Yeah, well, Boston hasn't it played yet, so it do, it doesn't matter because they're Toronto's going to get licked anyway. So. <laughs> What's going to happen is Carolina's going to make the playoffs and make Chris really happy. You know, Marshan. You know, Marshan's just going to be licking people, so that that's that's going to throw them off their game. <laughs> He's not allowed to. The NHL implements that he can't lick people anymore. Oh, actually, Marshawn was told if he licked anybody else, he'd be suspended. Exactly. And you really hey, don't want to be suspended in the playoffs. No. Nope. So well, that, that thing, doesn't that doesn't stop Tom Wilson from doing what Tom Wilson does. So it <laughs> shouldn't coming. stop Marshan from doing what he does. <laughs> I do that was coming. And it's really sad because he is really a talented player. Or he, oh, he is. He's so he's so useful when he's not an idiot. I think I think with Wilson take him on my team in a second. (laughs) I think Wilson just kinda has that flit or that switch that flips and he just realizes that he's playing hockey and he wants to play old school hockey, which just doesn't jive with this league anymore. One thing I thought was hilarious though was uh the Leafs and Caps game, uh Wilson decided to take a jab at uh, Anderson's glove and Tavares dropped him with one push. Yeah, I I saw that. But to break my heart, Buffalo actually won. And this bye week and, is terrible because there's no more hockey games on tonight. And that's good because that means Buffalo's only three points behind Boston now. Actually four because Boston and Winnipeg are going to overtime. Thanks, Winnipeg. Appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, and that means that Buffalo is only now two points behind the knocking the pens out of the last wild card spot, too. (laughs) 
Yeah, if Boston wins, they leapfrog Montreal, and Boston's in third again. I have a feeling I that's going to go back and forth for a while. Probably will. And that kind of brings us to what we kind of wanted to talk about. The uh, second half of the most people consider after the All-Star break to be the second half of the season, truthfully. Um, we all know most teams have already played 42 games or 41 games, so everybody is kind of halfway through their season. Some teams have like 33 games left, et cetera, et cetera. So you look through these standings, and you look at exactly how close it is points-wise. And teams that have a, well, with the exception of Calgary and uh, Tampa, the teams that kind of are in the wild card spot right now, they're kind of hanging by a thread. They are pretty much, with the exception of L.A., the West is wide open for those two wild card spots. And you know, once you get down to Philly, pretty much Philly, Jersey, Detroit, and Ottawa, and Florida probably are out of it. Um, but you I'm not have, counting Florida out yet. That's true, because they did have a strong second half of the year last year after the All-Star break. Because they had to play after Boston to play to get in. Yep. So... Well, is anyone else surprised that Arizona is is hanging right there? Nope. No, not at all. The the Coyotes are right there. And, well, I mean, we talked about this last week and we talked about it earlier in the season. They're ahead of the Oilers right now. Like, the Coyotes that have that have no one and the Oilers have the best player in hockey and they're all the way at the bottom. Like, yeah, yeah. when, when, have nobody. Well, when are they going to, when are they going to blow the whole thing up down in Edmonton and just say, all right, that everyone, everyone needs to get out. Well, let's be realistic. Not every team gets to, not every team in the league gets to send their entire team to the All Star game, but Edmonton did. Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> Connor yeah. McDavid is that whole team, and I hear people say that, oh well, you know, they have talent. Um, they have a first line. But that's about it. <laughs> Goaltending this year. I mean, when when you have uh, <laughs> the uh, the new uh, signed goalie Kapanen, or what's his name? Not Kapanen. Cus- oh, help me out, Rob. Who who are you talking about? The goaltender that uh, before uh, she had got fired. The guy who replaced Cam Talbot. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Rico uh, Koskinen. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. I knew it started with a K. I wanted to call him Kapanen, but that's not it. Um, nope. But, yeah. I mean, that was a great contract that he got. Along with a 15-team no-movement clause. 
Yep. Terrible. Yeah. So they kind of already fired their GM. Um, Keith Gretzky is the interim GM. Um, they fired their coach. That didn't work. Um. So I I I guess I just don't get it because Edmonton's had so many first round draft picks. And what have they done with them? The developmental, uh, the people that develop the talent in Edmonton and throughout the organization isn't doing their job. No. And it's also partially because they're rushing the the kids into the NHL, stunting their development, figuring out, oh, they're not that good, sending them down for a short period of time, bringing them back up, finding out, oh, they're still not good enough, and then they're stuck. Right. Scouts that have been drafting haven't drafted that well either. Like, yeah, getting Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle and all that's all fine and dandy, but with the nail Yakupov picked, Yakupov was only ranked first in a couple of people's uh, scouting reports. In others, they wanted uh, they wanted the Oilers to take Alex Galchenyuk. Yakupov's teammate. So they drafted somebody who wasn't even the best Sarnia Sting player, let alone the best player in the draft. Right. And it's Edmonton's just in ruin right now. Yeah, it's actually pretty sad to watch. And Um, also another... Another thing that's really hindering them is the god-awful contracts that they've given out. Like, Milan yep. set six or seven million dollars a year for, like, five or six years. Are you kidding me? And he's got, what, like, yeah. nine points this season? I'd have to actually look that up, but I think you're right. William Nylander has seven points and he's played like 25 and he's played like 25 less games. And if you look, I mean, Edmonton doesn't have very much cap space left either. No, they don't. And right they now have they have Andrew like Sakara. Yeah, and they have Andrew Sakara on their long-term IR right now, which means he's right. currently not counting against their cap. So right. when he comes back, they're gonna have to make they're gonna have to trade somebody to get him off the LTIR so they don't go over the cap. Right, yeah, because right now they have four point nine million locked up in long term IR. Yep. So that's a nightmare over there and I honestly feel really, really bad for whoever the next GM of the Edmonton Oilers is because they have to go in and clean all that up. Right. Because I can guarantee you that they're not going to make any real moves until they hire a permanent GM. Right. And, and I mean, Oilers, if you look at it, Edmonton almost has to be sellers at this point. Oh, they have to be. For when sure. it, that's and, the problem when you have when you have all those 
players and all that all those players locked up in, in cap like not not even that those guys those guys aren't even tradable because nobody wants no, to take not. on those sal no one wants those salaries nobody wants nobody wants to take nobody even wants the players and especially at that salary right like i want to that, that's what i'm saying they have to go they have to blow that thing up from and like you said like they have to blow ev- like everybody they need to be like everybody just get out and we'll figure we'll we'll figure this out we'll we'll figure out we'll bring in all new scouts all new management like from top to bottom they need that's what they need to do like I just want to say to Oilers fans, whoever your next GM is, be patient. He's got a hell of a mess to clean up because Shirelli screwed you guys. Right. You know, just off the top of my head, you know who would be great to try to get over in Edmonton as a GM? And people will probably laugh at this, but um, Hextaw, the former GM of uh, Philly, he went in there and cleaned up Philly's cat mess really, really nicely. And now look at the uh, the talent that Philly has, the younger players. I was, I was going to suggest Iserman. Oh, that's a good one, too. I mean, look what he did with Tampa, getting all the young guys signed for cheap, too. Right. You got Tyler Johnson, Braden Point, all them to sign cheap. Right. Yeah, I didn't even think of Iserman. But whoever takes over that job has a tall task. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they are are in cap hell already. It's only going to get worse. And, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at um, the uh, cap friendly. If you ever want to check out salary caps, contracts, et cetera, et cetera, capfriendly.com is the best site to use. Um, I'm looking here, and Detroit actually has no projected cap space left. So I would assume with looking at where they are in the standings, they're going to be one of the sellers by the, uh, the trade deadline. Oh, definitely. Because they they also have three three point one million locked up in long term IR too. Do you count as a Do you count as a seller if you if you light your entire franchise on fire? Maybe. Are you talking about the Rangers? No, I'm I'm talking about the another Canadian team that is a raging dumpster fire and they just need to uh, they need to sell off a lot of assets too. Oh, you Ottawa. mean Ottawa? Oh yeah. <laughs> but Ottawa has oh seven point four million projected cap space. Yeah, but they have the issue right now where their two best players may not resign. Oh yeah, that's true with Deshane. Duchesne and Mark Stone, like uh, Duchesne and uh, the Sens are currently working on a contract, but who's to say that doesn't go uh, bottoms up? Right. 
and I mean, who who's gonna who would who wants to trade for for Matt Deshane? A lot does of teams. any team. A does lot any of teams team actually would. After like, yeah. I mean, he went to he was in Colorado. Everyone hated him. In in the locker room, everyone hated him. Goes to Ottawa, everyone hates yeah. him in the locker room. Like, do you no. want to bring? Where if you're you, a good you team. From from what I heard last year, he was a cancer in the locker room. No, you want like, no. But what I'm saying is, he was a cancer in one spot. He went to another spot, and maybe some of those guys have moved on that have that were not happy. But he didn't make that locker room. Like he ruffled feathers in that locker room. If you're a talent, if you're a a team that is trying to win a championship, do you want to bring that guy in and possibly blow up your locker room before you make a run? Well, let's let's use it this way. How many people said that about Evander Kane in Buffalo? The Sharks took a chance on Evander Kane. You hear no problems from him in a locker room out there. And they're winning, yeah, but and they're doing a good there, job there's, winning. There's there, there's that thing like once is a uh, uh, there's that saying like once once it, once it is an accident twice <laughs> twice is a trend. It's not like it was one team that was like, oh, this guy, you know, we can't get along with this guy. There were mo- it, it, Colorado hated him so much. They shipped him out there, and then he had problems fitting in in Ottawa. And he's a talented player. Where did you, where did you, where did you hear this information? Um, I heard it during the in the in the off season, reading about Ottawa and all their their other debacles that they had. They 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 said that there were there were people that said, and again, I'm not. I'm not in Ottawa, so I don't. I, I can only go by what I read, but that was what I was reading: is that people he didn't that he did not get along with a lot of people in the locker room. It would and, if I were a GM, it would scare me to bring him in. In Colorado, yeah, he had his issues because. Uh, they weren't performing, and he had an issue with that because he's competitive. He wants to win, and the team wasn't winning, so he wanted out, so he got out, and there's absolutely zero merit to anything about him not being liked in the locker room in uh, in Ottawa. Yeah, the only thing with DeShane that came out of Ottawa that I know of officially was just that he was part of the whole Uber scandal. Um, but since then, I've heard nothing. No, and he's got 47 points in 41 games for uh, the Sens this year, which, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, actually leads the team. Right. Don't worry. He will do really well on a Saturday night. Senators will probably win that game. Or is it Friday night? One of the two. 
Yeah, we have a listener in uh, that lives in Ottawa who just um, messaged me saying that uh, Duchesne is really, really well-liked in Ottawa, and they really want him to stay. All right, see, I was going off the, the earlier, the preseason. Yeah, you were probably... The probably the, the whole, preseason um, one where pre-season I mean I'm not where he was up at he I know he was mentioned in that and and again but again he's the guy that you would trade for from Ottawa but again I, it it would it, if I were a GM it would be very it, you'd you have to you'd have to put that into play like will this guy fit can we make can, can this guy fit in the locker room. It'd be an it'd be right. Like that's the thing, though. Evander, you could say that about Evander Kane, but Evander Kane, when he went to San Jose, he got off to a hot start. You know, He's he was scoring goals. High. So you know that that can that can quell a lot of things. So right. You know. Yeah. All right, Chris. Well, we're going to actually let you go tonight, and uh, we're going to yep. finish off the show here. But we really appreciate you calling in, like always. No and thanks again for your help. I appreciate it. Anytime, guys. And uh, like, like Lou, I, I got my show tomorrow right here on this network, so uh, we'll be we'll be plugging along there as well. So uh, have a good one, guys. And thanks, I'll talk Chris. to you next. I'll talk to you next show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're always our favorite hurricane fan. Yes, always. <laughs> always with those hurricanes. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right. So to kind of continue this conversation a little bit, I mean, realistically, Rob, there are really no – there really aren't that many sellers this year in the NHL. So that's going to make it difficult for teams like Washington. Um, San Jose kind of comes to mind. Nashville's another one. Pittsburgh, you know, um, teams that have had success going to the Stanley Cup finals the last three or four years. Um, Vegas probably be another one it's going to make it's going to make it difficult for those teams to make trades without giving up the farm because with in my opinion at least with so many buyers and not enough sellers this year it kind of who's going to want to help out teams that have been there recently see i don't think there's as many buyers as you think there are really because yes the reason why is because a lot of these teams that are close in the standings, I think a lot of them are just going to stay the course because they know they're not contenders and they're not, want, and they're not going to want to give up their assets just to get bounced in the first round. Now, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see five or six teams really go hard. You're going to see another eight to ten teams stay the course. 
And then you're going to see probably about 10 teams looking to sell some assets for picks, prospects to help kickstart something. And Pete brought up a good point because he's messaging me. And he said that Philadelphia has come out and said that they're going to be both buyers and sellers. How does that work? They're looking for So are they going to be – so they're probably looking for younger, speedier players to get rid of maybe, like, older players. I know Wayne Simmons has been um, mentioned as a potential. Again, I don't like to start rumors. But, um, you know, you always have that kind of uh, scenario, too. So, Yeah. But I think the only teams you might see that would probably be sellers, like true sellers, would be Ottawa, Detroit. Edmonton. Edmonton, Chicago, L.A., St. Louis is still kind of in the mix, so I don't think you'll see them do too much. Right. Unless they really fall off because they were, uh, they fell off the wagon for a while, but they've seemed to get back on track a bit. Yeah. Philly's going to try and, Philly's going to try and sell off some of their older guys, probably try to get younger and get some picks in. So they're not really going to be sellers. But they're not true. They're not true sellers, but they're not buyers either. Right. And Pete said that everyone is everyone is on the table, with the exception of probably Hart and definitely Giroux. Yep. That's crazy. Right. I mean, can you imagine somebody that just needs that extra push, and they pick up Wayne Simmons? I mean, I love the guy. I shouldn't because he's a flyer, but I love the guy. And, uh, I mean, Billy has some fairly decent talent that could put a team over the edge. You know, just give them that extra push. Yeah. I think you'll see the Leafs, Tampa, Islanders, Preds, and Sharks. I'll try to make I'll try to make moves closer to the deadline to improve their rosters for a run of the cup. Right. I think all the rest that are close will either try just tweaking or they'll just stay the course. Right. One of the things that irritates me so bad when I watch hockey, especially around the trade deadline, you have certain GMs that will go out there and make a trade for trade's sake. It doesn't necessarily make your team better. It leaves most fans scratching their heads. Um, and my favorite thing about the trade deadline is when you don't want to trade to a division rival, and then you have a team like the Sharks out west that will say, hey, we'll take him, and then they flip him to your division rival. You know what I mean? Like, I love those kind of things. I think those are fun. Because um, it hasn't happened to me yet in the last couple of years. But, um, you know, I uh, 
I like those kind of trades because I, I find those very uh, like, okay, well, we'll help you out here. <laughs> and, uh, screw over your uh, division rivals. Um, kind of very petty. But um, I love getting closer to the trade deadline. I mean, we are, what, four weeks away from it? Yep. Just about that, actually. And you're starting to see some moves now. I mean, like with the Muzzin move, uh, there were a lot of people that were in the Muzzin sweepstakes. A lot of fans wanted Muzzin on their team. Um, You've seen some head-scratcher moves already, and you've seen some uh, interesting contracts come out. One of the ones that kind of surprised me today, actually, was the Minnesota Wild re-signed Staylock. Yeah, what was it? Three years at like seven seven five per year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a fine deal. There's it's there's nothing wrong with deal. that deal at all. And I mean, not like Staylock had a very good first couple of starts, and uh, one of the ways one of the ways that Staylock is actually very dangerous, and I don't know how many people actually pick up on this, but um. If you watch when Minnesota actually gets a chance to go to overtime, because they don't do that a lot, they they tend to not have very high-scoring games either. But um, it's kind of like having a fourth player on the ice when Staylock's in net. Um, he, the Wild are not afraid to pass the puck back to him when they make a change, and then he can spring players. It's kind of fun to watch. Um, I thought – the deal was decent. It's not a ton of money. It's not going to be a ton of cap hit. But at the same point, he's been he hasn't been very good in his last couple of starts either. So to me, that was just kind of like hmm, interesting. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those interesting head scratcher trades, in my opinion, or not trades, but signing, in my opinion. Yeah, there was that Staylock deal is really good for Minnesota. Um, I like it. Shores up their uh, backup position for a lot for the next three years because Minnesota, I don't think, has a goalie in the uh, AHL who's ready. Who's ready is the key. They have a very promising one, but he's not ready. So that'll give him time to properly develop and hopefully develops into a good goalie for them. Right. Yep. But no, I like your take. See, this is why I like doing this show with you because I, I was under the impression that there were going to be a lot of buyers and not very many sellers, but I like your, your take on that, Rob, because it gives me a new way to look at things. Yeah, for sure. Um, Like, it's possible I could be wrong. Like, they could all try and add and become contenders. But with the way the market is, I don't think you're going to see it. Right. Because if there's a bidding war, it's going to go to the highest bidder, and teams are just going to be like, no, we're not paying that much. We'll just stay the course. We'll wait. Right. And sometimes it's just best to stick with what you have, especially if it's working. 
I just get so irritated when I watch a team that, you know, has most of their pieces set and then all of a sudden the GM's like, well, let's trade this guy and let's trade this guy because I like trading. (laughs) And then you end up with a team that just doesn't know how to play together. So, you know, trades can not only uh, help your team out, they can also backfire. That's a big reason why Dubas pulled the trigger on the Muzzin deal when last night instead of waiting till the deadline because this gives Muzzin an extra month with the team to practice, get uh, chemistry going before the playoffs. That extra month is a long time. Yes, it is. And then you can see if they're going to fit your system, too. Yep. Because Muzzin's going to be a little bit out of place because they're going to play him on the right side. And he's a left-handed defenseman. So he's going to be playing his offside. Right. So it gives it gives um, the Leafs time, too, to see if they can go, hey, this is going to work. Or they go, okay, it's not going to work. We need to pull the trigger on another right-handed defenseman. Right. Which right. right-handed defensemen seem to be, like, hard to get for some teams. There are some teams that are stacked with right-handed defensemen. Then there are some teams that are stacked with left-handed defensemen. It's, like, not a very the good Leafs, mix sometimes. The Leafs in Carolina would have been great trade partners. But to get one of Carolina's right-handed defensemen, Carolina wanted one of Kapanen or Andreas Janssen along with a prospect and a first-rounder. And Duba said no. Ouch. Kapanen and Janssen are untouchable. a lot, were they? <laughs> yeah, they wanted, they wanted a lot for a right-handed defenseman because they're a premium in the league. Right. Now Pete wants to know if Riley would switch sides and play his off wing. No. Um, they they did it a bit on the power play. Riley was okay, but he's definitely much better on the right side. And he's the one leaf defenseman I would not try to change the positioning on. And for obvious reasons. If it's working, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Exactly. And uh, like I said, I'm glad Hainsey's going to be playing less minutes. I love the guy, but I'd like to see him mentor Dermot, which is what he's going to be doing because he's going to be playing the third pairing with him. He's still going to get his 16, he's still going to get 15, 16 minutes a night, but I'm glad he won't be playing the 22, 23 minutes that he could be right. and burning out before the playoffs. Yeah, and that's one of the things that you have to watch out for, too. I'm glad you brought that up because now that gets my wheels turning and I start thinking. And um, if you look, like, yeah, the standings are really tight right now, but some of these teams that are just in the playoffs or just sitting outside the bubble, a lot of those teams 
don't have a lot of depth to them. When I say depth, I mean they're four lines strong. A lot of these bubble teams don't have four strong lines. And what's going to happen is as the season, you know, you've got 33 to 40 games left in the season for some teams, um, you're going to start seeing these players that have time on ice and they're overutilized um, start to fizzle out because it's so grueling and they can't play like that all the time. There's a few exceptions to that rule. Very few exceptions. And one of them is Ryan Suter. That guy is amazing. A monster. (laughs) I think it was just last year he averaged like 29 minutes a night. Yeah, and this year he's averaging 26.37 minutes a night. Drew Doughty, believe it or not, is actually logging the most minutes right that now That doesn't in the surprise me at all. 26.41. He's not far, behind, far in front of Suter. Because aside from Muzzin, who did, the, who did uh, L.A. have for defense? Dowdy. Like, Fanuf is serviceable. Right. But other than that, there's nobody, so Dowdy's carrying the workload. Right. Now, this is interesting because I just, out of curiosity, I pulled up the 2018-19 NHL stat leaders time on ice. So, Drew Dowdy has the most ice time. Number two is Ryan Suter, and they're four seconds, four tenths of a second apart in ice time. And then number three is Chris Letang, who has logs an average of 26.09 minutes. Seth Jones is fourth, and Oscar Clefbaum is fifth. John Carlson, sixth. Ristolainen, seventh. Lindholm is eighth. Roman Yossi is ninth. And to round out the top ten is John Klingberg from Dallas. And those guys are all playing 25-plus minutes a game. That's crazy. Guys, when did after a four-minute total ice <laughs> time on ice for some teams? That just oh, – I, no. I would have thought, like, Suter would have had the most time. But, like, they're four-tenths of a second apart, Drew Dowdy and Ryan Suter. So, but you're right. Ryan Suter is probably one of the few exceptions to the type of player that will wear out. That's just nuts. Oh, um, yeah, Pete brought up a good point, too. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up um, – Dallas Stars took a big hit the other – was it this morning that I found out or yesterday morning? Anyway, um, Mark Mathot is done for the season in Dallas. Um, he's having season-ending surgery to repair a cartilage defect in his knee. And Pete asked the question, um, Dallas lost Mathot for the season. What's the bet that he retires? What's your thoughts on that, Rob? I don't think he'll retire. 
Um, how old's my thought? Like thirty-ish. Uh, let's see how fast I can Google. Mark Fassat is 31, 33. 33. Yes. Uh, he, he might, depending on how bad his, how bad his knee is after uh, surgery and whether he thinks he can recover from it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're kind of you're kind of getting into this where he's at that age where you're right. They're going to have to find out exactly how much damage and if he feels that he can condition himself enough to come back. And this is one of the things that always cracks me up about. Um, I like to call them casual hockey fans, but they're always like, "Why do hockey players get like?" One big contract. Well, because by 35, 36, most of the time you're thinking retirement. So you're usually only going to get one good long-term contract before you retire. Depending on how you play the game. Not everybody can be Yamir Yager and play 50 years in the NHL and <laughs> Not really, but you know, play. I think he's still playing overseas somewhere, but um, you don't find a Yager or a Hainsey or a Cullen that often. That's going to Not have often, a longevity no. career. So it'll be interesting to see what Masat actually. I wonder what his contract is in Dallas. Where's Dallas at four point nine million for I think he's still on their payroll for another two or three seasons. He signed it back oh, in two thousand six. Okay, so next well Pete may have a good point here. Because um, Mathod is actually an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Oh, wow. I thought he signed a – I thought he signed a five-year. I didn't think it was three. Yeah, because he is making $4.9 million this year, but that's on long-term IR now. But it says under 2019-2020, he is an unrestricted free agent. So he may actually complement – or. Think about retiring. Contemplate? That's the word you're going for? That's the word I was looking for. Thank you, my other half of my brain. (laughs) (laughs) And Pete said that Mathot's only played nine games this season and 36 last season. Yeah, Hmm. so Pete might actually be on to something. And we rarely say that about Pete. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have to give Pete a hard time. Uh, if you're new to the show, Rob, Pete, and I are very, very, very good friends. And um, if we don't give Pete a difficult time, he will think that we don't like them. <laughs> so. 
But, uh, yeah, no, that's fascinating. Pete, I'm so glad you brought that up because I would have never thought to look. And to find out that he's an unrestricted free agent next year, that kind of does make you think, what is he going to do? Yeah. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, see, Pete, you are useful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, no, um, I don't know. So I know before we finish up the show here, because we just we have a little bit of time left. Rob, you wanted to talk about the second half and what you are looking at, um, how you expect teams to um, finish out the season. Plus, you missed the way too early playoff prediction revamp from two weeks ago. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to let you forget, did you? Oh God, no! <laughs> just, just throw them all out the window because this season's been nutty. <laughs> hey, I didn't do so bad. I only changed. How many did I change? Because I actually have everything here. I changed um, two teams in the Western Conference and three teams in, or no, two teams in the uh, Eastern Conference. <laughs> so what you want to I even, back what do I even have? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Rob, because I actually write this stuff down. <laughs> so for your Western Conference, you had Vegas, San Jose, okay, L.A., Winnipeg. Yeah, just burn, just burn that L.A. prediction. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you Light it jet. on fire. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I had the Kings, too. So did Pete. So did Mandy. I think Chris was the only one that didn't pick the Kings. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, let's see. So you had Vegas, Sharks, Kings, Jets, Predators, Blues, Avalanche, and Wild. Okay, well, uh, actually, I didn't do too bad in the West. The only one I'm going to switch is Calgary for L.A. Okay. I told you you didn't do uh, as bad as you thought. And I'm actually going to go, I believe I'm saying this, but I'm, did I pick Colorado? Did you say Colorado? Yes, you did. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to swap out Colorado for Vancouver. Ooh, that's a good pick. Because Vancouver is right there. And the rest in the West is good. All right. So you're revamping to Vegas, San Jose, Calgary, Winnipeg, Nashville, St. Louis, Vancouver, and Minnesota. Oh, um... You know what? Uh, swap Dallas for St. Louis. Or okay. swap St. Louis for Dallas. Okay. Whatever it was. Yeah. All right. So are you settled with your Western Conference picks? Yep. All right. So for your Eastern Conference, 
<laughs> you have Washington, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, Florida, and Buffalo. And I laugh because of the uh, the devil's pick. Swap the Habs for New Jersey. Okay. And the Islanders for Florida. All right. Everything else looks good. Yep. Yeah, if it made you feel better, I had the Devils too. So. Wait, did I? I had Columbus in there, right? No. You have Washington, Pittsburgh, Montreal, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, Islanders, and Buffalo. I'm almost tempted to take Pittsburgh out. Do it. For Columbus. Do it, because I've been thinking about that. You know what? I'm going to. I think Buffalo gets in and Pittsburgh misses. I think five Atlantic teams make it. All right. That's going out on a limb. I like it. Pete's yelling, don't do it, Rob. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense to me because, honestly, Pittsburgh hasn't been very good lately. And it's not like Pittsburgh is getting better. Um, They may get better when Schultz comes back. I don't know. Defensively, I don't know. Um, Schultz is due back sometime next month. He is skating. So, I I just don't know. Um, Pittsburgh is very intriguing right now. And there's always been a part of me since Sullivan got hired as head coach and uh since Rutherford took over as GM I have those those flashbacks of Rutherford GMing in Carolina and how things went sour there and then I remember and I don't know Rob I I really don't understand how Penn fans didn't know that Mike Sullivan coached Boston <laughs> that was a while back wasn't it yeah and you know what happened he did really well his first two seasons in Boston, and then yep. they had the lockout. And then when they got back from the lockout, Mike Sullivan had a terrible team, and they ran him out of Boston. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about that, actually. Um, yeah, and, you know, maybe it's me. Um, I can't remember if it was you or Pete that said I never forget anything. <laughs> but, um, you know. That would have been Pete. I, and as good as they have been for Pittsburgh, I, there's a part of me that just, those cups were won because it was new and shiny and different. It's not like, once Mike Sullivan starts implementing his players and things like that, it, it things have turned south. Um, I, I follow Jason Mackey on Twitter, and every Thursday he has a chat where you can ask questions. And 
I get a lot of information from watching the questions and his answers from there. And I'm really not trying to make this a Pittsburgh show, but this may be fascinating to someone I don't know. But one of the things that Jason Mackey is very adamant about is the fact that Mike Sullivan has more pull with these trades and players leaving and who gets contracts than most people want to think he does. So everybody's like, oh, you know, and Rutherford we trust. And in reality, it seems like Mike Sullivan has just about as much say in what goes on. Now, if I can rant for a moment, one of the things that ticked me off today was the fact that last night after they got crushed by Jersey and they got crushed in every aspect game last night by Jersey. They got out manhandled in the neutral zone. They got um, better goaltending from Keith Kincaid. I mean, Pittsburgh made him look like a Vesna winner last night, which we all know how Kincaid's season has gone for the most part. Um, But Mike Sullivan after the game goes, our power play needs work. Well, I understand, and you have told me, I don't know how many times, most teams only have one defenseman on the power play. As much as I love Chris Letang, he's way too offensive-minded sometimes, especially on the power play. Pittsburgh now leads the league in shorthanded goals allowed, which is just a wonderful stat, (laughs) you know? Um, But Mike Sullivan cried to the media and whined and complained and said, power play needs work, we're going to work on that. They had a mandatory practice today. Guess what they did not work on? The power play. Exactly. My point is, I know that they want Crosby. They want Malkin. They want Gensel. They want Latang. They want – did I say Kessel? You know, they want no. all of those players – oh, and Kessel. They want those players on the first power play unit. But it's not working. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, and you're not getting those results. So at some point, you have to look at the coaching staff. Mike Sullivan is responsible for the power play. For a long time, a lot of Penn fans thought that Mark Recchi was responsible for the power play. He is not. That is Mike Sullivan. He took it over after Rick Tockett left. Since Tockett left, that power play has been atrocious. At some point, it falls on the coaching staff to figure out how to get that power play to start clicking again. I know the coach does not go out and execute. Before I even hear that from somebody listening, I understand that. But at some point, the coach has to look at himself and take that responsibility. And in, what, 49 games, I still have not heard Mike Sullivan say, I need to look at my coaching staff. So there is my little rant tonight, and I'm, I apologize. <laughs> no need to apologize for it. Uh, yeah, the Leafs power play has been struggling as of late, too, for one simple reason, and it's an easy fix. It's predictable. Mitch Marner is going to have the puck every time on the right side in the offensive zone. And he always tries to go cross ice. And it's easy to scout. It's easy to pick off. It's easy to deflect away. And it it just kills the power play. 
Like the least power play should be first in the league or very close to first in the league. And it's not because for the first 10 or 15 games, teams weren't ready for it. But now it's been scouted. They know exactly what's going to happen. And it's easy just to grab the puck and shoot it down the ice. It drives me bonkers. That is absolutely brilliant. Like, really brilliant. I never really thought about that because now that, like, I'm replaying it in my head, it's kind of the same thing with Pittsburgh. It is predictable. And teams, what I noticed about Jersey last night, and this is something that Ottawa kind of exposed in the playoffs a couple years ago. Yeah, it's been two years now. Pittsburgh has trouble with a trap system, a trap defense. New Jersey played a really good neutral zone trap last night. Pittsburgh could not get into their own zone. They And Pittsburgh is notorious for going on the rush. Everything is done on the rush. They're done on speed. It's like a one-trick pony. And I, I think you hit the head or hit the nail on the head with that. Pittsburgh has become predictable. Everybody else has caught up to them. You just answered like, my my whole question. This is great. <laughs> but yeah, I hope over the I hope over the All Star break, over the bye week, the Leafs have tried working on a new power play system. Because the few power plays that they are getting, because the Leafs are dead last in power play opportunities. Well, it's in the, the NHL. don't like you guys. Uh, I mean, no kidding. <laughs> no, I don't know why. Like, the Leafs are also, uh, I think the Leafs are also last or second last in the league in penalties taken. Interesting. So they don't take a lot of penalties, but they don't get a lot of power plays. And your first game off the bye week is Friday versus Detroit? Yep. And then you play a back-to-back because you play Pittsburgh on Saturday. Yeah, and uh, you guys play Tampa on front. You guys play – oh, no, uh, you play Tampa tomorrow. We play, we play Tampa tomorrow, Ottawa on Friday, and then back-to-back with the Leafs on Saturday. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see whether you guys get Anderson or Sparks. And it, what's going to intrigue me, and this is oh, this is the other thing, who's going to play in net against the Leafs? You have Ottawa the night before, who is a struggling team that is dead last in the league, and Colorado is celebrating about that. Um, yeah, I was going to say, he's excited. <laughs> Sackick has that fruit basket ready to go. <laughs> you think he'll send him a fruit basket or an edible arrangement? <laughs> I think he'll send Melnick a bottle of liquor to uh, drown his sorrows in. <laughs> Hopefully it's good Canadian whiskey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, so here's the thing that has been kind of, Pittsburgh has had a couple of back-to-back lately. 
Um, they just had a back-to-back with Arizona and Vegas before they went on the bye week before the All-Star game. Now, in my mind, you have a quote-unquote number one goaltender in Matt Murray because he is the starting goaltender per the roster. They start at Murray against Arizona, who is kind of a team that you may have wanted to start your backup goaltender against because they're not as good as Vegas, right? Right. So in my mind, it'll be intriguing to see if Sullivan starts Murray Friday night against a quote-unquote worst team like Ottawa and then ends up starting Casey DeSmith and leaves him hanging out to dry against Toronto because that has been the pattern. Personally, I think with how well Murray did his last time in Toronto, shutting out the Leafs for nothing, was it? Yeah, something like that. I think you'll see Murray go against the Leafs, and I think you'll see DeSmith go against Ottawa. Now, if the reverse happens, I'm going to say that somewhere, somehow, they are trying to build up Murray's confidence because that has been my excuse with starting Murray against the Yotes and then the Smith against Vegas. Um, And then it it happened, I think it was Anaheim and L.A. we had back-to-backs with, and it started Murray against L.A. and Casey the Smith against Anaheim. (laughs) So it tends to be the second game, no matter who it is, that's where Casey the Smith gets a start. That's possible. Uh, hard to say too, because I know Murray will go. Murray will go Wednesday for sure against Tampa. Right. That one's a given. And then I don't know about Friday, but if Murray goes Friday, you'll see DeSmith go Saturday for sure. And if DeSmith goes, if DeSmith goes Friday, you'll see Murray Saturday. Right. I just realized something. You had an epiphany. The Leafs have no. The Leafs have three back-to-backs in February. Ouch! Wow, that's a lot of back-to-backs. I yep, can't say I my Pittsburgh the- had nineteen last year. I think the Leafs had close to that, too. I remember it was, like, two seasons ago, the Leafs had, like, 21 back-to-backs or something like that. It was insane. And it was for the simple fact that the building is shared by... uh, The Leafs arena is shared by several things. Right. Hmm. That's interesting. So we have like 15 minutes left, and before uh, we go, I'm going to uh, do what I promised last show. And that was my husband took me to the uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and Hershey Bears game last weekend. Now, live hockey, I don't care what level it is, is always so much fun. I got a wink and a smile from my favorite player, 
and I was just the happiest camper. However, Jari did not start in net that night. I got the uh, distinct sarcastic pleasure to see Anthony Peters play. And, um, yeah, that goaltending depth that Pittsburgh used to have is not there anymore. Um, Peters was not very positionally sound. Um, however, my husband had great, we had great seats. We were right on the ice, on the glass. It was wonderful. Um, unfortunately, Wilkes-Barre lost and Hershey won. So Kyle once again got to be happy in Wilkes-Barre and I did not. Um, <laughs> but it was incredible. Um, I was more excited since I found out Jari wasn't playing that night. I was more excited to be able to watch Nathan Walker up close and personal from Hershey, um, knowing that he's the first Australian-born NHL player, was it's just so fascinating to watch him play. And we were really close. <laughs> and, uh, but it was a great game. Um, they moved it up three hours because uh, they were calling for a lot of snow. And um, Kyle and I picked the perfect window to leave to come home on Sunday because apparently they got a lot more snow after we left. But all in all, it was an incredible birthday experience. And I will definitely be going back to Wilkes-Barre. I will definitely be spending the little bit of extra money it was to sit on the, the glass because that's just to be that up close and personal with the players. And when you're yelling things that you usually yell at your TV and they hear you, <laughs> you kind of turn around and look at you, you're kind of like, oh, shit, I'm live. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but um, it was a great experience. I unfortunately, there's not great signal in the arena up there, and there is no Wi-Fi. Um, so I was not able to stream anything live like I wanted to. However, that will change. Um, my next game is March 12th, and that's the Pens versus the Caps, and. Hopefully my husband's more miserable than I am when we leave that arena that night. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I had a great time. Um, Anytime, if you've never been to a live hockey game, start out in the minor league. Tickets are very inexpensive. I think Kyle paid like $25 to sit on the the ice right, right up against the glass per ticket, which is just incredible. So if you uh, if you get a chance, I highly recommend if you've never been to a live hockey game, start out at a minor league game. Cheaper, you get great seats, and uh, ooh, I got six new signed pucks too. I'm really excited. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that was my birthday experience, and I'm sorry I didn't get to share it on the page. But uh, like I said, signal was awful. I don't know if it was just the carrier that I have or the arena is just a dead spot. It was just, but it was a lot of fun. Um, the score I think was five to three or five to two. I can't remember which one, but it, it was pretty bad. Well, or you had a bad birthday at a hockey game because your team lost. <laughs> I didn't say I had a bad birthday. I just said suck my I team know, off. I'm <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you said you were miserable leaving the arena. Well, I was because it was snowing and I was hungry and we had to find a restaurant that was actually open. 
So I was miserable. I was hangry. They don't sell food at the hockey rink? They do, but the food was a little bit pricey. And uh, there wasn't a very good selection. I don't know if you know that um, the Mohegan Sun Arena and the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, Wilkes-Barre may not be playing in Wilkes-Barre very much longer. This is the last year of their con- contract with Mohegan Sun Arenas, Arena. And they are not doing a very good job of coming to an agreement to keep the pens there. So Pittsburgh is actually looking at possibly moving the uh, minor league penguins closer to Pittsburgh. So it, the the food choice wasn't really, and I don't know if it was because it was snowing and half the stuff wasn't open either because there were a lot of empty seats. Um, there were a lot of empty seats to the fact that they actually gave us complimentary tickets to come back to a game. However, it's the Wednesday night that we are supposed to go Tuesday night to see the Caps and Pens play, and there's no way we can drive across the state of Pennsylvania <laughs> to do both of them that week. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was – well, yeah, we could, but I don't think our work would like that, especially with Kyle being off the last week with the foil. <laughs> so, um, but, oh, uh, yeah. That's true. I could just take somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) But no, so there's like a a contract dispute there. So that's something that I will be personally watching over the off season to find out if they actually come to an agreement or if we'll be going somewhere else to see the baby pens play. Um, Hey, who knows? Maybe they'll go out to Seattle and uh, they'll do what I guess is doing right now and share a, uh, an and team <laughs> could quite possibly do that. That's a long way for a player to travel if they get caught up though. <laughs> so we have about five minutes left here, Rob. Do you have any final thoughts before we go off air? Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing some leaf hockey again. I still got three more days. The all-star break, the bye week. Uh. <laughs> I'm, yeah, a I'm, lot of I'm just interested to see how uh, Jake Muzzin's going to fit in. That is definitely something that I'm going to be watching too because I, and, I love it when a player gets – a big-name tra- player gets traded. And I don't think Kyle Dubas is done yet. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I think he got this done now in case he couldn't get something done closer to the deadline. So he wanted to do something rather than miss out altogether. But Mm -hmm. I think, I think you'll see another defenseman come to the Leafs before the uh, trade deadline's over. And that could be very, very dangerous for the rest of the Atlantic Yeah, because the offense is there, the goaltending is there, just the defense hasn't been there, and it looks like it's getting there now, which is very, very, very good for Leaf fans. 
Right. And as Pete said, set the market, don't follow it. Exactly. Yep. All right, guys. Well, Rob and I will be back um, for sure in not next week, but the following week. And we will be on with at least an hour with Ralph Garcia from NGSC Sports. And um, I'm looking forward to having him on because, like I said, he is just an amazing person, first of all. And then secondly, his knowledge and inside knowledge of the Predators Hockey Club is just unreal. And so especially if you know Preds fans, have them listen, you know, and call in. Um, he will be on, and then um, we're working on a couple of other special guests. And like I said um, on our last show, if you're interested in advertising with us, just give us a shout on our page, or you can email stayoutofmycrease at gmail.com. Same thing if you have a radio show or a podcast and you would like to start networking with Stay Out of My Crease, um, we would prefer if you have a sports podcast because, you know, we're a hockey show and that helps. And um, But we would like to start networking, you know, with other podcasters and radio show hosts just to kind of, you know, get out there and get things rolling again and be where we used to be. So um, if you're interested, you can either hit us up on our Facebook page, Stay Out of My Crease, or you can send us an email, stayoutofmycrease at gmail.com. I think that's all I have, Rob. But thank you so much again. It was great to be back on the show with you. Yeah, it was a great show. I had fun. Me too. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening and tuning in. And uh, join us again in two weeks. I believe that's February 4th. So, um no, that's next week, isn't it? February 4th. So it would be the yeah. 11th. My bad. So, um, and just keep an eye out. We may decide if there's a lot of movement over the next week. We may decide just to do another show next week just to talk about all that stuff and kind of digest it a little bit. Best place to find out is our Facebook page. Make sure you give it a like. Thanks, everybody, and have a great week. Take care, everyone.